Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is an incredibly exciting and monumental episode. Episode 50, John and Wendy Celebrate. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. I feel like I should be drinking champagne rather than water, but you know, it's a Monday night. Um, well, it's but this Monday is awesome. night, uh, and even <laughs> we don't have the champagne of beers either. Sorry, Laurie Rudiman. But yeah, um, <laughs> Wendy, I have not talked to you. We we purposefully took a break from recording over the holidays. And how were the holidays for you? I, they were good. They were uh, kind of quiet. We got some snow couple of storms came through. Kind of nice to just be hunkered down with the family and a couple of shaky drives uh, on my commute. But uh, hey, South Dakota girl, if I can't handle a little snow on my drive, um, <laughs> I probably need to move. <laughs> How are your holidays? Everything was good. It was nice to take a break. I took a break from work, took some vacation time, nice. took a break from a lot of podcasting and other stuff that's been going on, which we're going to be talking about over the next bit of time. But no, it was it was nice. It was a nice recharge. And I guess, you know, I guess my question first for you is, can you believe we're here? No, um, <laughs> no, I can't, quite honestly. You, well, you know, when you brought it up before even you know doing a podcast uh, and that we would talk to our, you know, talk to our friends. Like, well, I don't have that many friends, so this will be fun. Uh, <laughs> and it's just people to be talking about it and wanting to be a part of it and where what we've come to and be been able to do with it ha has just amazed me so i am i am surprised i mean 50 episodes that's like you know 52 weeks is a year so we are almost at a full year of podcasting well and i i have not looked at the calendar i am willing to bet this is about the time we started recording because you yeah. know we started in january last year actually doing the recordings before we ever released a show that is and, true you know, Interestingly enough, you know, as as things grew and changed and morphed over the last year, we put out 66 podcasts last year, <laughs> which is I, I'm going to say it. It's pretty amazing uh, for what is. we're doing. And with with us both having jobs, you having made a, a, a rather monumental job change yeah. late in the year with everything going on, we put out 66 podcasts uh, have oh. been now downloaded in 68 countries, I believe, is what we're up to. Wow. It's so much more than what we ever thought. And and yeah. so we wanted to take this episode. We asked for you that are listening to give us feedback, to have questions. And I was fortunate enough during the holidays, I got a chance to talk to Ben Eubanks. And I thought, you know, Ben's got this brand new book out. Why don't we give away a copy as yeah. something to, as a gift back? Hey, thanks for listening. Hey, here's celebrating 50 episodes. And by the way, you can win stuff. So right. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some questions from listeners that uh, sent them in every different way we asked. And yeah. uh, so we'll go through those, some of those questions. We'll probably maybe have a few questions for each other, but at the end we'll do the drawing or the spinning mm -hmm. the wheel as we're going to do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's just us, yeah. uh, this, this go round. we will get started. So I, yeah. I'm going to be reading the questions and Wendy, we'll just go back and forth. The first one comes okay. from HR spicy Cheeto, which is probably <laughs> my favorite Twitter, Twitter handle out there for HR people. And the question is what are ideas to stop hiring managers looking for entry-level candidates, but are unwilling to train because there's no time or budget. It's it's a it's a huge question, and and I've seen it everywhere, and I think it it goes into tight budgets, doing more with less, and it's it's I don't know that it's it's more it seems like it's more a symptoms than the actual disease, and maybe there's something else that needs to be done first, but 
for me, I think it's HR sitting down and talking with the hiring managers about what do you really need and, and what do you really need this person to do and how can we try and find that, that right person and stop looking for the purple unicorn because <laughs> nobody's going to be able to come in and do your job, do what you need them to do right off the bat without any training, right? I think it's especially more difficult when you talk entry level and a big fan of the philosopher Shrek who talked about onions. And I've always <laughs> talked about peeling onions when I've talked yes. to hiring managers. I've been using that phrase for a long time. And hey, man, you got you got to peel the onion. And what are, what do you really got to need? What do you have to have? If you're not willing to train, th then you're going to have bigger issues. It's right. once you get them and you're not going to retain them. So I think right. it, it you have to be able to speak from that position of understanding and knowledge and of course, you and I have been doing it for a while, and, and we certainly know how to have those conversations. And I think, uh, you know, as I've gotten more mature in my experience, I'm a lot more blunt than I used to be. <laughs> and at least in my with my current company, that works, and yeah. they listen. Uh, maybe it wouldn't work elsewhere. But I think, though, you you've really got to be able to have that candid conversation to say, look, are we just running people through? Is this just going to be a conveyor belt situation? Yeah. Because that's what it is. If you're not willing to train, the person's yeah. going to figure out real quick. If they can't figure out what they're doing, why am I here to begin with? Right. And, and, and I think there's no time or budget. Your budget's just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. The more you, the more you backfill. And, and I think there's being empathetic with the hiring managers. And that comes down to getting it, getting to know them and working with them yes. um, and help so that they know you understand what they're going through. It was interesting. I got to meet some of my new hiring managers late last week and they're in uh, the research department, which I'm super, I'm really excited about recruiting for research. And they were a little wary and, you know, it was great for me to be able to share my background with them that, you know, yeah, no, I have a background in healthcare recruitment and I worked at a university. So I can kind of speak the language that you're looking for. And the, you could just see them relax a little bit that, okay, this is somebody who's here and can work with us. And I think we in HR, we need to help stop that us versus them mentality. It's not HR versus everybody else. We all work for the same company. We have to take, make that first step, I think, rather than waiting for the hiring managers to do it because they're not. <laughs> right. No, I, I, it's a great point. And, and I think too, you know, when you have when you personally have hired people it, for mm -hmm. you know to work with you and for you, even have that much more perspective. And I think that certainly yeah. helps to be able to talk to, you know, Hey, I've been there, done that. I, yeah. It's one thing to talk about oh, writing performance reviews. No, I've had to write performance reviews or I've had to, I've had to look at merit and I've got a 3% mm -hmm. budget and I've got 25 people. What am I going to do? Right. right. You know, and I've got to look at yeah. everyone. So it's, I think we're getting beyond what spicy Cheetos question was, but <laughs> you know, I think as far as how, I, I don't think you're ever going to stop hiring managers, unfortunately, no. uh, <laughs> from, I, from wanting what just, they want or having that expectation. And it's the way of the world. Now is, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you just got to work with them and, and be empathetic. I think it's, it's more working with them. And I don't know that you can, yeah, I agree. I don't think you can stop. I think you, it's coaching. You need to coach the hiring managers. Let's change the language a little bit. Words are important. I like that. I'm going to use that in a quote. Words are important. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, wait for Tamara um, Raspberry's episode um, that's okay. coming up here. We talk I think about it comes that out before this. That. I think oh, it comes okay, out before well, this. So I've heard it. So I'll know then. Listened. I'll be better educated. <laughs> We're talking forward and backward in time here. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, next up is Richard Krimsky and, and Richard, Richard's a, a fairly new friend that I got to make over the last bit of time. I was introduced to from another, my other podcast. One of my buddies there introduced me to Richard as he is a, currently in the Navy and transitioning out over the next six months and joining the civilian you know, work ranks. And his question was, what's the hardest part for HR in regards to hiring transitioning vets? I'm going to say speaking the language because military is a different language. And that it goes on both sides. It's not just HR. And I know there are people, places that struggle with it. Uh, I'm going to brag about my own company, but we're one of the top places for veterans to come work as far as a healthcare organization in, in our region. I think we do a great job of hiring vets. Uh, I don't know much about that program yet, hoping to learn. But for me personally, it would be being able to understand how their experience translates to what we're doing. And so there's got to be, I think there's got to be a little give and take there in how to, how to translate that. I think job translation is a challenge, like you said, on both sides. And I think the other piece that's really tough sometimes, and it's not just for HR, but I think corporate folks in general that don't have a lot of experience with the military is really helping to acclimate that person coming out of the service into the mm -hmm. organization, into the culture. We're very fortunate in my organization, too. We've spent a lot of time over the last several years focused on hiring veterans because of what they bring to the table, especially in our industry. However, it, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience with that, do you understand in terms of what they're bringing in that it is just a very different ideology? And I've had a chance you know, to talk to Richard a bit about some of the things that he deals with. And, it, you know, he is doing HR work. It's got a different set of rules necessarily sometimes and, and, and process and procedure. But so much of it is at the end of the day, it's people dealing with people, which is what we do. Right. And you can get good at that regardless of where you're doing it. But for for from the civilian perspective, I think it's absolutely making sure that we understand how to translate that because unfortunately it's a challenge for the military as well. You know, mm -hmm. there, there are so many groups that want to help and, and within the service ranks with, with veterans groups, you know, I do a lot of different work around Virginia with different entities and everybody wants to help servicemen and women, guardsmen and guardswomen, you know, people that are either transitioning out or that are already in the workforce to get better jobs, to get better educated. And it, it's a challenge. And I think it's just, it's us continuing to work with these uh, different organizations to, again, better understand the language, help them better understand the corporate language, but then also to make sure that when people come in, are we partnering them? You know, just like we talk about mentors, it doesn't matter generationally. Everybody needs that support. And I think especially when you look at people coming out of the service, do we have somebody helping them make that transition? Because it, it is a right. big transition in a lot of organizations. It, it really is. And I just, this is a question that's, I don't know if you're going to have an answer, but maybe we need to add veterans to the diversity and inclusion realm and, and that inclusion piece um, and not just focusing on um, underrepresented folks, but adding veterans and people with those different types of experiences to that, that focus. I think it's an interesting perspective. I'm excited that you know, I know I've got a couple of people in mind and people that I've talked to that are veterans that are doing a lot of great work, you know, with helping corporate and, and the civilian world, for lack of a better word, get better at this when it comes to mm -hmm. hiring. So I'm glad Richard asked the question because yeah. it's a great question. It's a good question. And it's one of those multi-layered, there's a lot there, but uh, a lot, a lot for us to onion. continue to chew on and, and hopefully, <laughs> you know, like I said, may spin off into a, a, another episode or two down the road. Yeah, so. I think that'd be great. 
All right. Next up, previous guest, my ride buddy for life from Chicago, <laughs> Kate Bischoff. I would like to know what both of you wish would change about HR's reputation. <laughs> okay. Well, it's an, only an hour show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, this is interesting and it, I, I don't know if it's in my own organization, if it's in right. general, you know, I, I'm kind of over the HR sucks, you know, all those stupid articles that are out there. I don't care. You know, yeah. I, everybody has beat that thing to death. I think one of the issues that I see and, and can have seen a lot over the years and, and a lot of different organizations I've been around and in is that sometimes as practitioners, understanding the business has not been an important component of it. Yeah. And I truly believe that if I can't talk to a hiring manager or an area manager, somebody in the business, an executive, if I don't understand what widgets we're making, we're never going to have any credibility. It doesn't matter right. if I could, I could have 100% payroll done right and all the hiring, every, every onboarding paperwork form is absolutely 100% accurate. You can talk about flawless execution was a big term in one of my previous employers. That's great. But if I don't understand the widgets and if I don't understand yeah. that we're not making money, the reputation is always going to be personnel. It's right. going to be that or paper clerical paperwork, paper pushers. Yeah. And you know, it was interesting. I, I had an opportunity in, in, a, in a previous organization when I was in labor relations. I spent a lot of time in power stations. And I love that because I just like getting out there. I like wearing boots and getting out and talking to people and being on the floor. And I, I tell the story to a lot of people. I used to go into one particular plant. I'd go see the plant manager, the person running the entire thing. And I could go near his office, the elevator up to his office. There's a monitor and mm -hmm. it would show what was running. And I would know within two minutes of being in the place if we were making money that day. Yeah. So that would change my conversation with him greatly <laughs> because oh, sure. I would be able to say, hey, hey. With the such and such isn't running, what's going on? What's up with this? And I know it went a long way with them that I understood and was and really wanted to learn. And I think that that's always something I would recommend to anybody. You know, you get into a new business, learn, learn what yeah. the business is, learn, learn how the widgets are made and mm -hmm. and be able to speak to it. You don't have to be you don't right. have to be a, a genius about all of it, but if you know enough. And yeah. you can talk to it. And I, I think that will help at least your reputation and hopefully your your department's reputation a lot. Yeah. But that's and, just one man's opinion. Oh, I agree with you. And I, I think part of that, too, because one of the first things that I thought of is that, you know, that we're the we're the compliance, we're the uh, we're the compliance police, the the box checkers. And that's all that we do is we just make sure that you're following the rules. We push paper around and make sure you know, we just add things to make people's lives busier. And that's, that's not at all what it is, but that's where it started. It, you know, it started with that compliance piece. And, and there's still a lot of HR folks out there that that's what they like about it. And that's what they want to do. You know, I don't want to learn about the business, just this is what we need to do. You need to do this black and white. This is how it is. And that's not what HR is anymore. And I think that the more of us that get out there and show how HR can be that strategic partner, how, how we can help improve what's going on and not just keep us out of the courtroom. It's going to be a better experience for everybody. I, I absolutely agree. And I think, unfortunately, the courtroom is the courtroom is the courtroom. It doesn't matter what you do anymore. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. that much more challenging. It, it's interesting, it though. I, I worked for, for an organization one time where our VP of HR was not from an HR background. And I've worked for VPs that came out, you know, career HR people. Mm -hmm. I've worked for people 
that that came from the field and other roles. And he would always talk about his number one priority for us was payroll. It didn't yeah. matter if anything else was right, wrong, and different, but payroll, paychecks better be right. I think 15 years ago, that worked. Yeah. I, I would. Now that person has since retired and I, I wish him well. He was an interesting fellow, but I would be really curious, or I know for a fact, because I still have friends in that organization. Wow. What a, what a difference a bit of period of time makes and some of the yeah. things they are looking at and the culture stuff and engagements and, and things that they are doing, which I get really excited to hear that they kind of got with the times, right? Right. <laughs> they want to make that forward. change, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, there's, well, there's a lot we could do to change. Again, is, and... We only have an hour or <laughs> give or take. <laughs> Again, yeah. I think it really starts with us as individuals, understanding our business, delivering every day and showing and, and talking about our peers like Kate yeah. or, you know, other people out there uh -huh. that are doing things and that if we know what's going on can talk to it. Uh, I think right. it really, really changes the game a lot. Agreed. All right. Well, next up is David Miklas or Mikeless. I'm sorry, David, I don't know you. And, and you posted on LinkedIn. Uh, this one kind of threw me. And, and I think <laughs> we're going to have an interesting conversation because David's question was, why do each of you believe the field of HR is female dominated? Well, I, it goes back to kind of what I, I said in the answer before that HR has been a clerical position and clerical positions have been relegated to the to quote women's work. You know, I, I mentioned to you, uh, my question is, if HR is female dominated, why are all of our HR leaders predominantly male? And it just goes back into that divide between men's work and women's work. And I, I know you don't believe that. And I don't believe that it's taking a long time to make the shift in the world um, and nothing against, you know, where I've worked, uh, I've worked in a lot of different places and in most of the HR offices that I've worked in, higher leadership has been male. I do have some great, have had some awesome female bosses as well. And, but I, I have to admit, I was a bit taken aback when I came to my current position and the upper leadership through where I report is all male. And I'm sure they're the best person for the job at the time, but it still takes, it, it gives me pause when I see that, that you have this female dominated industry. And so I'm hoping that we'll see kind of that shift to, if you have a female dominated industry, your leadership should reflect that. I don't know if I'm answering your question, David, but that's my belief huh. behind it. Well, see, and it was funny, you know, uh, for full disclosure, I texted Wendy when I got, when I saw this <laughs> one, I was like, wow, okay. And, and, and my perspective is so different, partly because I, yeah, I, I'll acknowledge it because I'm male. I came yeah. out of education, which is also very female dominant. Right. And it, it just never registered to me. <laughs> I know I'm totally serious. And I yeah. think, I think through my experience, it, and it's funny in my experience in this industry, in, in HR, I've worked for probably about 50-50 in terms of males yeah. and females. Well, that's good. And, and, most, and most executives have actually been female. Good. I, I just never really thought about it. You know, <laughs> the first, the first, when I first moved to Richmond, the first recruiting agency I worked for, there were 13 of us. It was two men. That was it. Yeah. Now, the other gentleman was the boss. He, he, ran, he was the manager, ran the office. 
he also had been in the industry more than anybody else and had a track yeah. record of success. I just thought it was very, you know, I, I, as I was reflecting on this one last night in particular, because I thought, never really thought about it. Coming from education, which again is highly female dominated, it just never registered to me. And then when I was looking at some numbers last night, I was like, holy cow. Okay. Yeah. And, but I thought your question was a much more thoughtful, or no, I shouldn't say thoughtful. Sorry. I like what kind of expanding upon that yeah. and, and thinking about that piece is yes, if it is as dramatic a difference in total numbers of people, why aren't there more? And I think to your point, you know, unfortunately, yeah. it, I think it is kind of an antiquated uh, model. I think we've, again, I, yeah. I feel like I've been fortunate to work in places that tend to be, I, I believe have been a bit more progressive, but yeah, no, I, David, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's, it's a great it, it question. Was an interesting question. And like I said, yeah. it threw me a little bit, David, I hopefully, hopefully you're listening <laughs> and, and you, and you yeah. answer and appreciate you, appreciate you taking part. Yeah. Okay. So the next two, I'm going to read kind of together, and then we're going to explain what we're doing. First one is Andy Kale, our friend Andy. Hi, Andy. How soon will AI be more widespread in the talent acquisition space? And then the other question is from previous guest, Kelly Marinelli. I'd love to know what Ben Eubanks thinks of AI, of how AI can be utilized in HR without bias. Also, how do we capture the efficiencies of AI and machine learning without losing the human touch so necessary for great HR? These are excellent questions that we don't have the answer to because Ben is not here. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we don't there was know a little AI. confusion. <laughs> For those of you that maybe didn't see, we had posted uh, pictures of Ben's book because, again, we're going to be giving away a copy. And the, the book is about AI and HR. We're going to take a little break. We're going to drop some comments in because we interviewed Ben late, or I guess, what was it? I don't know, sometime last year. It's hard to remember when. Fall. Uh, in the fall. And we talked about the book coming up and a little bit about it. So, we're going to take a break. We're going to let Ben speak, and then we'll come back. We know you have a book coming out soon. I don't know. I can't remember exactly when, but a book about artificial intelligence and the implications for us as HR practitioners. And I don't want you to give the entire book away in, in a minute or two or five, but <laughs> what I guess what would you tell folks that are potential readers, what kind of major takeaways or concepts did you find that they're going to discover in that book? So the thing that they're going to discover, I hope, when someone reads the book, I hope they get some hope. I've used that word a couple of times. Yeah. My, my hope is that they get this, some hope because if you read the headlines, you listen to the news, we're all going to be out of jobs really quickly. I better find something else to do. <laughs> I, you know, get my, get my shovel out, start digging some ditches or something because all of our jobs are going to be automated and we'll all be out of work. In reality, that's not the case. Those are, we don't know for sure what's going to happen, and even if th some jobs do go away, others will be created. There's no way of just knowing that off the top of our heads. And so one of the things I, I actually wrapped the book up with this focus on kind of the core human skills that we need to develop in ourselves if we want to remain relevant and valuable as HR leaders and also develop in our workforce. So if, if you want to help future-proof yourself and your people a little bit, focusing on those kind of core skills as a way to, to do that. Well, thank you, Ben. We appreciate that and uh, hope may not have answered the questions Andy and Kelly had directly, <laughs> but let me give them a little flavor and plug the book. plug, read uh, the book. Get it, get it. If, you, <laughs> if one of you don't happen to win the book, uh, maybe get a copy of it. I'm sure Ben will help yeah. you out with that. So Kelly had some other questions, though, too. One of them was for me in particular, and it said, John, please touch on the commonalities and differences between this podcasting experience and your previous pod gigs. I'm fascinated to hear how content and audience changed your perspective and method or not. It was a, that's a great question, Kelly. And the answer is I prepare for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Being a producer and, and creating the content is a lot different than 
having a great time with my buddies talking about 80s stuff where I just hang out. Literally, I'll get uh, a note saying, hey, we're doing a show. I'll say, what's the topic? And I, you know, if it's top five movies of 1988, I'll go look and see what the movies are. But I think the the differences are the amount of time, obviously, that we put in to prepare for this. It's a lot different. And again, you know, being the one that edits and puts in the music and all those kind of things, it's a it's very different in that ex- experience. For my friends that listen to both shows, I think they know, though, that what you hear from me here is pretty much what you're going to hear from me there. It's just talking about comic books or other nerd stuff. I think I, I guess it's more the preparation and, and again, content like I study a little bit more. I don't I think, Wendy, you and I can agree. We we try to have people that make us look that much smarter. And we've had right. some tremendously bright people on that are doing some amazing things. And I don't know if that answers her question necessarily. I think it's I'm better prepared because I need to be. But as far as how I approach it. You know, I still like having fun with it and, and I'm having fun with Star Joe still and I have a lot of fun here. And yeah, it's just uh, HR as opposed to comic book nerd stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and again, I, I don't I don't have the response. I produced one episode of Star Joe's and it was years ago when we were using an old tool called Blab, which was a platform where you called in and you had four people on the phone and you had a Twitter feed going and Blab kept crapping out for lack of a better word it just stopped working so that was kind of a nightmare thankfully i was really good friends with everybody on the show so we were all cool but the funniest part was we had a a similar thing to the question connection where we when we have new people on we ask them questions and it was a particular creator that works with two other creators that were, were all friendly together and i said which one do you like working with better and he was just like i can't believe you asked me that especially one of them was on the show <laughs> it was really really funny uh, I would do the same thing uh, here if I had the chance, but, uh, but yeah, no. so I, I hope that answers that. The last one awesome. there, Kelly's last question is for both of us. And that's what's it been like to take the leap into podcasting together. You two have such a great chemistry and rhythm from the very start. How did you prepare to work together on the podcast? Long walks in Washington, DC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of where it it started. We knew each other from Twitter. And, um, you know, to tell the story again, but I was at Sherm DC, we were both at Sherm DC and, uh, I saw John on the expo floor and said, Hey, you're John and discovered the next morning that we were staying at the same hotel. And so we walked to the conference together, um, two mornings, I believe. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, hit it off easy to talk to each other and, and just, you know, kind of kept in touch on. Twitter. And then, you know, again, we were both sad we couldn't go to New Orleans and had a pity party with on Twitter with everyone else who couldn't go to <laughs> New Orleans. Uh, woe is us, not at Sherm. And it turned into the Twitter chat. And I don't, I you know, prepare. I don't know that we, we did. We talked about it. Um, you wanted to, uh, you, we talked about it in that you wanted to do it. And I said, okay, I'll come along for the ride. What the hell? Well, we, we <laughs> practiced, I think to that end, you know, we did we spend did. some time I think some people have uh, they have uh, expectations or dreams about podcasting and it's it's work. It is. It's great work. Like I love again, if I didn't like doing it, we wouldn't do I wouldn't be doing it anymore. Oh, but God, no. It's but no, we we actually practiced a bit and where there were things we never recorded. We would just get on here on Skype when we use Skype back in the day. Oh, yeah. We'd get on Skype. We'd talk on Skype. And then we would uh, we'd put people in. I'll never forget because Kelly actually said that when we recorded with her, she's like, I can't believe how easy that was. Like, well, you know, we didn't just get on the mic and start talking. We did. Right. But we 
we bounced off, you know, we did practice because I always yeah. said I wanted it to be as, as great as it could be on the front end and, and not stumble and bumble and fumble. Because right. if we did, then people wouldn't want to take part and be like, well, this is no right. fun. And if we book you for an hour, I want you, I want to be done with in 45 minutes. I want you to get part of your time yeah. back. And that it gives us time. We can't do that if we weren't prepared, if we weren't giving people questions beforehand, right. if they that prep. So I, I think in terms of how did we prepare? Absolutely. You know, we, we were yeah. considering myself extremely fortunate to have, you know, connected with you in DC and Hey, let's, let's try it. And it's funny because I never, I think, in fact, I was on another podcast last year and the question came up. They're like, tell us about Wendy. I'm like, well, she's not here to defend herself. What do you want to know? <laughs> and, and it was like, well, how did this happen? And I'm like, well, we were doing this Twitter chat thing. And I just said, let's try this. And, and I never really thought about anybody else. So I can't, I can't say enough how I believe how fortunate I've been. I know how fortunate I've been yeah. to have you as part of it. But yeah, we did. We practiced. We we spent time. It was not a right out of the box, but but we oh, knew each no. other enough to, you know, we knew each other enough to to get it going. It feels like we we didn't have to do a lot of prep. We, you know, we did. And I like that we we put together the questions. We talked about it. We're thoughtful about what we wanted to ask and put that out to our guests so that they have some time to think about things. And if they, if they want to, you know, think about it long and hard, well, we don't give them that much time, but it just helps to have that rhythm. Um, we know what to expect. And, um, Ann Tompkinson and I were talking about that the other night or talking about what we want to do with HR wonder women. And, you know, she was very much, we have to keep the same format because that's what works. It works for HR social hour and it's working for HR wonder women. And so it, I like what we do. And I think, it obviously works for everybody because people keep listening, and and people or they keep, keep downloading that, at least. Well, they're downloading, <laughs> yeah. and they're and, and and they're also people keep saying they'll come take part too, so they'll they'll hop yeah. on and talk to us. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Kelly. There's a lot of questions yeah. there, and and we appreciate that. Uh, next up, previous guest and my uh, comic book movie nerd friend Michael Vandervoort. Tips for blending your podcast into a Twitter chat and vice versa. What works and what doesn't. I thought Ooh. this was a great question. That is a great question. Um, I'm going to let you start, John, because you okay. <laughs> you've done you've done the so presentation yes. that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. I don't know what so you're I... saying, telling people out there, but <laughs> well, we'll say this: as far as we know, we are the only podcast that started as a Twitter chat. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I don't know where it is, and and that <laughs> yeah. when I had the opportunity to present at DC Podfest, one of the amazing things that came out of the last year and and doing this show was having an doing a podcast interview elsewhere and that person saying, Hey, I do this. Would you like to come speak? Sure. And it was awesome. Yeah. I talked about it on the show before. It was like a comic book convention for podcast nerds and it was amazing. I I I cannot wait to go again this year. <laughs> I'm actually looking at potentially going to another conference this year. It was just really super fun. But when I got up and told that story about we started as this and it's become this, it mm -hmm. really turned a lot of heads. I think we are continuing to learn how to get better at blending the two. I yeah. think it, it was nice though, that we had what's near glass automatically came out, you know, that we were yeah. able to say something from the chat, we pulled over to the show and everybody's always going to get that question. I think we are looking at opportunities to potentially have people maybe say guest host a chat, like as, you know, yeah. being, being on the show and then and doing that. We, we did do that with one of our, with, with namely this year in terms of having someone and tying it in that way. So those worked really well. I, I'm not, what doesn't work. Uh, unfortunately, it's just having time to do more Twitter chats because 
I know, Wendy, I don't know about you, that's, I still love doing the Twitter chat. It's just a shame that there's not enough time in the day or time to do another yeah. one somewhere else. It, it, it's true. It's, it's just, life is crazy. It is. I, I think, it, I, I think Michael's question is a really good one. And I, yeah, in terms yeah. of the blending, I think we, we're, we're continuing to try to figure out ways to even blend, I would say blend more. And I think really it's that, you know, tying the person to the chat. And, yeah. Because, you know, and one of the things that has kind of surprised me is the differences in audiences, because we are, you know, we're seeing people on the Twitter chats say, oh, you have a podcast. And then, you know, people listen to the podcast and like, oh, there's a Twitter chat too. Like, oh, yeah, we talk about it, don't we? Um, maybe you're <laughs> dropping off before you hear us plug that piece. Right. Yeah. Um, that's it. <laughs> which, which is possible. But I, I think, you know, one of the things that I and may, you know, maybe I'm sure there's a question about what, what are our plans, but trying to figure out how to blend them more and how to figure out how, how to keep them both going and still having that fun element to it where, we don't get too deep into the HR muddy waters. Um, mm -hmm. I I really don't want us talking about FMLA and ACA and and those kind of things unless we're talking about it from like a personal perspective. Because I I like that we focus on the individual HR professional and not the profession. Uh, trust me, I'm not planning to talk about those things. Unless, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I you guess know, if I somebody paid us a bunch maybe of if money, somebody, hey, if there's hit, a sponsor hit, out hit, there that really yeah. wants to talk ACA and they want to fund us, uh, shoot us a note. We'll listen yep. at least. But <laughs> no, but no, Michael, appreciate the question. It was a yeah, uh, good question. Yeah, we're, we're continuing to refine there. So previous guest, pop culture roundtable associate Michael Malady actually has a question for you. And then you started to talk a little bit about earlier. Yeah. Are there plans to do more episodes in a similar vein as Wendy and Ann's episodes or show? They're a great compliment to the regular podcast. Ann and I, we're, we're actually, well, by the time this comes out, we'll probably have recorded. <laughs> I don't know time right now. We're going to do a little one-on-one -on -one episode um, shorter and talk about what our plans are for um, HR Wonder Woman. We've got um, we've got some guests in mind that we're uh, looking forward. We want to talk more about, we really want to get into storytelling, telling individual stories, because that's kind of where, that's where you really learn. And that's where you're going to get the real meaning behind what we do. And um, I was listening to another podcast this morning and it's a political one. And they were talking about how politicians need to stop letting Twitter define their stories, need to stop letting other people define their stories. And I, I sent it to Anne and I said, this is what we're doing. This is, this is it. We want you, the individual um, minority voices to be able to tell their own stories. And so that's what we're, and that's what we want to do in what we're doing. So yes, there's going to be more. We've got one a month coming out uh, the rest of this year. Um, but I'll have to be honest, John, when I uh, read Michael's question to begin with, I thought he was talking about, are we going to have more spinoffs? And I was like, oh, golly, we all need to sleep too, Mike. <laughs> Maybe I didn't read that right. I we all never put our say own never. spin on things. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think we will certainly probably be doing some special episodes as we get oh, yeah. into conference season. And yep. again, we put out more than just 50 in the last yeah. year. So those of you that looked at the back catalog, you've seen we, you know, and, and Wendy, you talked to some people one-on-one -on -one for events you had. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think those, there will be episodes like that. There are certainly some things that I am kicking around that I would like to do. Unfortunately, it does become a time issue yeah. sometimes. I, I didn't read it that way. And I'm glad <laughs> you did. We're going to keep doing 
Yeah. And, and, and Wendy will continue to do Wonder Woman yep. and TBD on the rest. So, all right. Previous guest and your former Sherm 18 roommate, Gemma Toth, yep. has three questions. And I think I will answer all these because I have the access you to have the, the information. <laughs> so the first question is, whose podcast was the most downloaded? As of the time of this recording, which is January 7, 2019, the most downloaded show has been our second Sherm 18 International Roundtable show. And that was oh. with Mafoda Safali and Anish Aravind and Renee Robson. And oh. I'm not surprised. Those shows, yeah. th both of those shows did really, really well. I think they they had a, a great international audience, which was a lot of fun because we were, th those shows in particular, we picked up a lot of new countries and mm -hmm. they've downloaded just a handful. The second question is, which country besides the U.S. do you have the most downloads? And that's the U.K. I'm not surprised uh, no. by that. Our friends in the U.K. and then Canada, Sweden. And then our fifth place country is the United Arab Emirates. Wow. So Give her a little more than what she asked for. But yeah, I, I've always found that <laughs> kind of fascinating that not necessarily a primarily English speaking country. Kind of cool that it's in our top five. And this reminds me that I need to update the map. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, please. And then the last question Gemma had is which state do you have the most downloads from? And that would be California. It is uh, kind of neck and neck between California and Virginia. Oh, wow. Those kind of go back and forth and back and forth. But as of the 7th of January, 2019, it's California. Uh, yeah, good questions and kind Very of fun. Good. I always enjoy yeah. looking at the download map and, and previous guests. If you talk to any of them, will tell you I'm a lot. I call myself Carmen San Diego. I like to tell people where they've been downloaded because <laughs> I'm just fascinated when yeah. a show will get downloaded in Jamaica and Mongolia in the same day. Just, yeah, I love it. I love it. That's keeps, cool. keeps entertained. All right, next up, our friend, previous guest, and self-proclaimed biggest fan of the show, Mary Williams. Uh, she has a lot of questions, and so <laughs> I, we're going to go with some of these. I, I tweaked one of them a little bit because we've talked, we've answered her original question, but I tweaked it to, what was your favorite movie of 2018? I'm going to say uh, the second Fantastic Beasts movie, The, the Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, Maggie and I went to see that after Thanksgiving weekend, and it's just a fun movie. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we talked about this on the Pop Culture Roundtable. I had three movies I talked about. I, I just watched it again. Avengers Infinity War was great. But, you know, I think yeah. I'm going to say Pacific Rim Uprising because it was just the biggest <laughs> robot smash movie. I, I just I love big, dumb movies like that. Big and dumb. That, yeah. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun, especially taking my 15 year old to see it, it was just kind of a fun day out fun. and we had a really good time. So uh, awesome. yeah, that may surprise people, but that the second question kind of tied to it is die hard a Christmas movie. <laughs> I just made me giggle. Um, uh, it made me laugh so, too. Yeah, I did. I, I have to admit that I saw something on Twitter that I sent to Kate Bischoff and I said, this might make me change my mind where um, somebody posted that die hard is not a Christmas movie because it is set at Christmas time. It is a Christmas movie because it's about someone who is forced to go to a party that he doesn't want to go to and hang out with people that he really doesn't like. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I okay, I, I can get on board with that. <laughs> but I, you know, I love that it has sprung up so many great conversations and a lot of fun teasing back and forth. And it even spilled over into Star Joe's. When did we did really? our, top our top movies of 88 <laughs> because 
I'm going to say it, three men all in their uh, middle ages that all grew up in that time frame. We all picked Die Hard as the number one movie of that year. And, <laughs> and, it, and I said, oh, it's funny on my show, we talk about, is it a Christmas movie? And they're like, are you kidding? So anyway, uh, I think people know how I feel. Yes, it's a Christmas movie. Absolutely. No question. No question. <laughs> it's a great movie. It is. A, it is oh, a great, it's the best. Great it is movie. The best. I, it is. I, it's, I just don't happen to think it's a Christmas movie. As much as I enjoyed the first one, I have a friend who likes the Die Hard 2 even more, which is crazy. Sorry, Chuck, if you're listening, that's crazy. But I'll never forget, Die Hard 2 was one of the first movies I saw rated R in the theater, and I was old enough to go. And I'll never forget, I went, <laughs> I was, I went by myself. I just told it because it was funny. I go to the theater. I'm all, I'm all proud of myself because I'm 17. I can go see the movie. And I go up and buy my ticket. And they said, oh, you know, it's five bucks or whatever, three bucks. Yeah. It was it was 19 something, you know, so like three bucks. And I'm like, don't you want to see my ID? I was like, so proud of myself. <laughs> I could. So they're like, yeah, like, okay. No. But yeah, so yeah. That, oh, uh, anyway, and awesome. they keep making them. That's the best part. They just keep, Good crap. I, don't yeah, know, the I don't know. I, I saw the live free or die hard in a hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, this summer when I was up there <laughs> for work, it, I was working on a Saturday. It rained all day long. And so Ugh. our event got pushed back. It was cra- it was just crazy. And I remember watching that movie, just thinking, "What am I watching?" And Timothy Wolfman <laughs> was in it. He kind of made it for me. I was like, "Oh, this is not good." Oh, just wow. Oh. wow. Well, enough diehard okay. talk. Next yes. up, what's yeah. in your glass? Uh, well, right now it is water. Yeah, I indulged a little too much over the holidays. Few many too many trips to uh, eponymous, and so uh, I gotta uh, get off some of that fluff with some water. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my bottle is empty. I just finished a Coke Zero. Uh, oh, yeah. Jim McClure We're not fancy and tonight. Lorena Pabon <laughs> and all you other, uh, uh, Mary Faulkner, anybody else drinks Coke, uh, Diet Coke, Coke Zero is still better. <laughs> I said so. Goes on there. Yeah, Diet so. Coke sucks. I, I can agree with that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I, go that far, but okay, ladies, you heard I, her. Hey, yeah. I'll let you all. I don't like, I don't like any diet. Out. I don't like any diet drink because it's got, it's too sweet. I miss Coke C2. Do you remember that that craze when the Atkins diet was so big and they made C2? Oh, I really oh like C2. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, see, <laughs> I go deep. Well, you know, and I, I, like I honestly, <laughs> I don't, I don't drink pop that much anymore. So if I'm going to drink pop, I want something that I like, and I'm going to go for a cherry Coke. Every I gotcha. Time. Well, that's what that's what's in our glass last yeah. bottle tonight. <laughs> Uh, the next one, interesting question. Favorite snack or treat? Eponymous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Eponymous is the brewing company, the yeah. brewery down the street where Wendy and I, I, Wendy took me, I won beer bingo and got a cool yep. hat, which is actually sitting on my <laughs> desk here. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a treat when we go, but you know, nothing quite at our house. Uh, it's popcorn. We could have popcorn every night and I would not get sick of it. It's something we, my husband and I both grew up with and, and the girls both grew up with and they've been eating it since they've been, they've had teeth. So we, uh, popcorn is my f- absolute favorite treat. Microwave and the Jiffy no, Pop. You gotta, no, you gotta no microwave. What do you do? do? We, uh, we have a little uh, whirly gig that sits on the counter. Uh, you got to use oil. Yep. None of this air stuff. It spins around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, now that uh, Walmart sells the movie theater butter flavor stuff, fake butter. Oh yeah. Another reason why I have to just drink water. 
Next year, I will have to send you some of my wife's caramel corn, which as my former employees at one of one of my companies, when they worked for me, they called it the crack. Uh, oh. I would take it in every every Christmas season. <laughs> I would take it in as gifts for everybody. And and they still call it the crack. I haven't worked there nice. for years. I took a picture during uh, during December when we had 13 inches of snow in Richmond, which has never happened since I've been here. And we were all home <laughs> and my wife was making a, a big batch. And I put, put a picture on Facebook of it and all these old folks that had, you know, not old, like they're not old right. people that work for me back in the day, all started replying. It was really, I, you know, it was neat. It was kind of fun. <laughs> but, uh, I'll be sure to send some, there, some, send some your way. Awesome. All right. Next up, how do you select your podcast guests? Is there criteria? I'll say this. When we started, we had a list and it was people yep. we knew. <laughs> yeah. And we were really fortunate that Wendy and I knew a lot of people. It was primarily people we knew through our chat. That was the original idea yeah. was, and and it, back to Michael Vanderworth's question, the original intent of the show was to introduce people that were on our chat to other HR people or to people in yeah. general, you know, whoever listened to the podcast. So it really started as that. And then as we, I don't want to say exhausted the list, but as we <laughs> grew and I mean, we did get yeah. kind of like, okay, who else are we going to talk to? Right. And people started contacting us and obviously the chats grew and, and that yep. changed. So in terms of criteria, don't have an agent contact us because right. we, it makes us tired, uh, particularly yeah. me because I get all of them and I, I tell them what I'll John charge them to come up And I always like to share with Wendy when we get them. But, you know, I think the criteria is, is it somebody that we think would be good for our listeners to know? And are they cool? Yeah. And is it somebody that Somebody we think we could talk to for a half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what well, a lot of it boils yeah, down to. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'll jump ahead to Mary's question about, have we had a guest with whom you were not connected on Twitter? I, we've probably had people that we weren't connected to on Twitter on some of those off um, special episodes, but we knew them or we knew of them. So we haven't had anyone on that neither one of us has not known in some way, shape or form. So as we pull back the curtain, when when yeah. people and we've been really fortunate, some of our previous guests have been kind enough to make introductions for us. And yeah. what we will do is we will talk to that person. One of us will talk to that individual yeah. that we're being introduced to. We'll spend 30 minutes with them. We'll talk about the show. We'll kind of talk about them and we'll figure out, is it a fit or not? To the question that Mary had was, we weren't connected on Twitter. Yeah, there there have been people that we didn't necessarily know through that social site. However, before we have any, at least I'm trying to think back. I think there's only been like one time I talked to somebody that I never spoke to before, you know, that it was made introduction, trade emails, but most people we've we yeah. at least talked to for a few minutes and get a feel for. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever had a guest visit again, a second time we have, well, I had nope. a couple of previous guests on for the pop culture round table, but we didn't talk about HR yeah. in that show. We're really fortunate that we've had uh, so many great guests on and that we have uh, a lot of great guests lined up. Will mm -hmm. we have people on again? Yeah, I think we will as we get further yeah. along and maybe especially when we do conference shows, maybe see people. Because I think, Wendy, one thing you and I talked about and something that we we were uh, kicked around and, and Mary would fit into this bucket. We've had a lot of people make job changes in the last year, which yes. is always exciting. But yeah. I'm kind of looking at the list of guests and I'm thinking, wow, I can click them off, you know, in terms of the number yeah. of people that have jobs. So I almost want to do like a reunion show of the people that have moved on. <laughs> Where are they now? To, yeah, to hear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yep. I think that'd be fun. Let's see. And then if you were not in HR, what would you be doing? I think we, t I know we talked about this when we did our one-on-one yeah. -on -one in Chicago. I would like to be owning a comic book shop, yep. toy shop, wearing t-shirts every day. 
and just doing generally geeky nerdy things would i be podcasting yeah. at all probably about that kind of thing yeah for me i would i would like to i, I would hope that i would be blogging hopefully maybe even a podcasting um on a different topic you know dream job i can leave hr and do this full time talking about hr become one of those hr adjacent people i don't know that i would hate that either <laughs> uh but that doesn't pay very well right now so right. part time mary's last question is 2018 was an amazing year for the social hour i would absolutely agree with her on that do you have okay. goals for 2019 just don't suck no <laughs> it's not a bad one to start no i i think that <laughs> I think that we have some ideas in terms of how we can improve because we want to get yeah. better at this. We and do. I know, I know we can, and I, I think we have had a great framework, things that we can build on in the next bit of time. But, you know, I think goals would be to get through another year, <laughs> uh, have content every week because that is, yeah. uh, you know, people don't necessarily believe us, but it is, it's hard sometimes to get that out. And so we want to make sure we have content mm -hmm. that we are putting out co content that people will enjoy that they'll get something from i think we have some plans to do some conferences this year and hopefully we'll be able to be able to announce some of that soon but uh yeah. want to you know be doing the conference circuit seeing people and meeting more people and uh spreading yeah. the gospel of the social hour i think to continue to put out quality content to to make sure that the monthly chats don't suffer is another goal yeah. and that you know to your point that we keep them about people and not about process or things and uh yeah I don't know. I, I don't. That may not be the best answer, but that's kind of where we are as of at least June or June, January seven. January. You know, I'm and yeah, I, I'm on board with that. Another fifty episodes. Another. Uh, and, and I like the you know, um, put it out there that you know if you want us to come hang out at a conference and podcast there, let us know. We'd be happy to chat about that. I think that would be a load of fun. Agreed. Final question from the listeners is from the previously mentioned Ben Eubanks, previously heard from Ben Eubanks. Uh, so he's not eligible to win his own book. I don't think that would work. But Ben's question for, for us, Wendy, was what's your ultimate vision for the podcast? I'm curious. Uh, ultimate vision for the podcast, obviously world domination. What else would it be? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have an ultimate vision. Do you? I think my vision has certainly changed. And I think when we started, again, we were just two people on the microphone and talking to some friends and not really knowing that it was going to lead from, you know, 50 people to more than 50 people listening, more than 50 countries listening. I think it's going to continue to change. I think as we get better and we get new acquaintances and, and meet people along the way and, and, you know, podcasting is still just a platform. I love a medium that I absolutely love and it continues to morph and grow as, as the listener base grows. And, yeah, I, I think it's tough. I, I, I guess I, I may ask Ben what his vision for his show is at some point. <laughs> so I, I think it's tough to say there's an ultimate vision. I think it goes back to what we talked about a little earlier. Just want to get better. Love to continue to build the audience to continue to help people make those connections and be yeah. something that people want to be part of and listen to. Well, and I think that I, for for me, I think my ultimate vision is that we can remain flexible enough in what we're doing to be able to continue to do it. And that's something that we've done, obviously, otherwise we would have ended a while ago. And as long as people keep listening and uh, following along with what we're doing, then, you know, we're, we're filling that need. And that that's my ultimate vision is that, you know, we can continue to do it for as long as people will keep listening. 
Well, that's all the questions from the listeners. I had one question for you because nobody asked it and I'm disappointed (laughs) because I thought it was a kind of a gimme. What's your favorite memory moment? Something that really sticks out. It didn't have to be necessarily a guest because they're all fantastic. So we don't want to make anybody feel bad and say one was awesome and somebody else maybe not. Right. What's been your favorite? What, like, what's the one thing that you remember or have think about? You know, that's it's such a hard question. I have to admit, I have been re-listening to some of our most more recent podcasts because I need to get back to blogging about our podcast and and sharing some of my thoughts on on our guests. But as I was sitting here thinking about it, our, my favorite episodes were our uh, Sherm episodes in, with our international friends. I think those were uh, a lot of fun. I love the fact that Ben Watts was in Chicago. And didn't realize that his favorite movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, <laughs> was in was Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> um, and that was a favorite moment. And then I'm I'm gonna go to uh, my other one. I, I'm gonna go to Mary Faulkner's um, episode where, at the end, I I couldn't keep it together and. Um, you did a pretty good job editing it, but when I came back and I completely forgot what we say at the end, um, and when we finally got it, I just, I had the giggles and I couldn't, couldn't get rid of them. Uh, so that, that was a lot of fun. That, that episode was a lot of fun as well. Um, listening to you and Mary nerd out together. I I think that was one of my other favorite moments. So how about you? I've thought about this a lot. And the one thing that I will always go back to, and it's going to be, you know, one of those things we neither one of us will ever forget, is me at the top of the escalator in Chicago <laughs> watching my clothes fall down the steps <laughs> and the tears rolling down your face as the nice lady from Sherm, I don't know her name. Thank you, Sherm lady, again, for trying to help me. It That just encapsulates what I think this show is all about and that you are my friend and that, you know. It was just hysterical. It was. It was a I, great I don't moment. Think, I, mean, I don't think it conveyed. We told the story. People heard the story. I'm really glad nobody was really around to see it because it is that moment that we just, that, you know, we'll, we'll always have that. And as I told you then, and I called my wife and I said, you know, you saw my underwear. It was the funniest. <laughs> like, it was just the funniest thing. And we've had some, you know, again, we've had tremendous guests and we've had great laughs, you know, in person you know, obviously getting to see you come out to, to South Dakota this year, yeah. or, you know, last year to speak and do a lot of really fun things. That moment of you in tears and me just sitting on the floor <laughs> looking at my busted <laughs> luggage. I, that's that's like the most memorable moment of last year for me in this show. Hands that, down. That's awesome. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. I Well, yeah, we I can't top that. That's, uh, uh, to, you know, court, quote George Cassandra. All right, we're out. We, yep. that's that's all that's the top that that's the creme de la creme of uh, of memories at this point so yeah <laughs> well, do you have any questions i should but i don't because i feel like we do we get them as we go we we cover so many things and uh i i you know i think one of the things that i do love is when the two of us trying to come up with small talk that we're going to talk to each other about. So uh, there's, there's my question to you. What's been your, uh, your favorite small talk that we've done? Wow. You're asking me to remember. I, you know, I just edit the stuff and then I try to listen to it once or twice and then it goes. Um, yeah. That's a really good question. I think when we talked about, we recapped uh, my trip out to your way was good. Yeah. Uh, I think when we stopped talking about the weather is when it got better. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I can remember when we had uh, the hostile work environment guys on and we were talking about not just our weather, but their weather. And we always have to kind of figure out what are we going to talk about? No one, we're not going to talk about the weather. Right. And thankfully, we've got some some weeks it's really easy because we know we have a, a thing to slot right in. Yeah, it, it makes it entertaining. Yeah, makes it entertaining. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, so we've covered all the questions. So we're ready to spin the wheel. All right. So I'm going to let you spin the wheel. So the, the people that submitted submitted questions that, we, that we've hopefully answered to the best of our abilities, we ready to go? All right. Ready? Here ready. we go. And the winner is Gemma Toth. So Gemma will... We will have contacted Gemma prior to the show coming out. Uh, we will get a copy of Ben's book to her. He is going to be kind enough to autograph it for her and all that good stuff. So congratulations, Gemma. Yay. Can't say we never gave you anything. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> Hey, we're going to do more of that this year. I, you know, I'm looking for opportunities to, to, to do things like that and, and support our friends that have been so supportive of us and, you know, yeah, just, it's really easy. You can yes. win stuff if you just take part. So <laughs> oh. well, this is the real fun part. I feel like this is kind of the, the part of the Oscars where they kind of show you everybody the in memoriam, and that's not what this is meant to be. But we wanted to actually thank all of our guests. Yes. <laughs> that all have of been them. on, because again, it's not just 50, it's 66 episodes, yep. 67 even by the time this comes out. So we're going to just kind of go back and forth. Wendy, I'll let you start. We're, and we're going to start from the beginning. Very beginning. That was Steve Brown, Kelly Marinelli, Ann Tomkinson, Jasmine Wilkes, Kyra Makovich, Janelle Rodriguez, John Cates, Mark Alifons and Dennis Wesson of Hostile Work Environment, Nicole Roberts, Kate Bischoff, Yar Remir, Christina Minyard, Ian Mondro, Melissa Sanborn, Jennifer McClure, Nicole Bolina, Michelle Colliff, Michael Malady. Louis Lessig, Andrew Morton, Keith Enox, Mike Mitchell, Dan Cross, Michael Wilkinson, Mary Williams, Justin Kruger, Cheryl Nelson, Gordon Collier, Jessica Miller Merrill, Paula Harvey, Sel Watts, Ben Watts, Kavi Arusu, Lafoto Safali, Anish Aravin, Renee Robson, Claire Petrie, Dave Ryan, Gemma Toth, Amanda Brunson, Melanie Peacock, Carlos Escobar, Ben Eubanks, Mary Faulkner, Margaret Spence, Chris Orozco, Deborah Squires, Carlin Borisinko, John Martin, Lori Rudiman, Sarah Noel Wilson, Sarah Morgan, Lorena Pebon, Sarah Paticha, Jeff Pakowski, Joey Price, Jillian Caswell, Josh Rock, Elena Valentine, Katrina Kibben, Molly Lombardi, John Hudson, Michael Vandervoort, Iko Bathia, Jason Lawrenston, Boscaron Ambalavanon, Anthony Paradiso, Andy Devers, Chris Fields, Tamara Raspberry. We did not do that from memory. <laughs> Amazing, oh, though. Yes. Again, as I was typing up the list, Wendy, I was looking through it and thought, man, we have had just so many 
great conversations. And it would mm-hmm. be, you asked me about the small talk piece. I'm glad that we didn't get more quote requests because I could, I know we could pull something from every single one of these oh, conversations. Yeah. Uh, but again, thank you to all those folks. Want to take a minute, particularly to thank Mary Kaler. Mary, as we told her, uh, we we talked to her uh, and unfortunately did not become an episode, but we had spent some time with her outside mm-hmm. of uh, of conference. And, you know, we told her that she's one of the biggest reasons that we do this show. Oh, heck, uh, yeah. She connected us through Next Chat and yeah. uh, was so, has been so supportive, continues to be supportive, had us take part of the blog squad in Chicago. And uh, so, Mary, uh, we know you listen. We really do appreciate it. And we wanted to specifically thank you. As, as one of these people that has just really, really helped us along the way. Yep. I also want to thank Nora McCarthy and Namely. Uh, you know, what, what can we say? We're so fortunate to have found such an amazing partner and sponsor in Namely. Excited to do more with them this year, and hopefully we'll have uh, some more to share very soon. Yes, Namely has just been the best. And yeah. we, we are really, really fortunate to, to have them. Yeah. And yeah, we love them. We love Namely. Yes. And, they, and they've... We're really excited that some of our listeners and some of the people that have been part of the show have been have done some things with them, some blogs and things, and we're excited just to continue to develop those relationships for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, special shout out to Skill Scout and their help on uh, uh, Wonder Women. Uh, they uh, Elena has been helping us with producing the show, and so looking forward to uh, continuing to develop that relationship. It's been awesome. I have two people I want to thank in particular when it, when we started out and, you know, the question earlier about recording, what have you. And first one is uh, Ryan Drost and, and Ryan, no, none of you probably know Ryan. Ryan <laughs> is the, the host and the creator of Star Joe's podcast. So Ryan has been podcasting for almost 10 years now. I think we're at, we're at nine, actually, this month will be nine years that he started. And uh, when he brought me on to Star Joe's uh, initially as a guest and then as a co-host many, many, many moons ago now, uh, when I got ready to start this endeavor, I called Ryan and I said, hey, I need some time. Can you help me? And Ryan was just like everybody else in the podcast community and the HR community at large, just gave me time, showed me how stuff worked, taught me how to use the recording tools and and how to make sure the stuff was where it was supposed to be. And so uh, I can't thank Ryan enough because he really helped get, you know, get that piece started. And then my son, Jacob, who we've talked about on the show mm-hmm. before. Jacob was our original producer and Jacob did the first six or seven shows came up with the music, actually, you know, found the music for me and did just did tremendous work for a teenager who listens to some podcast, figured out how to put it together. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody, re- I mean, I, it was funny because I had people contact me like, Oh, who are you working with? I'm like my kid. And yeah. like, what? And yes, yeah, so like, my kid is our producer. And <laughs> so then when Jacob got, got busy with school, he taught me how to use, the editing tools. And then I picked up from there. So I, I want to thank, I wanted to take a moment to thank Jacob in particular, because he helped, uh, help get those first, first mini episodes, you know, yeah. put together and, and online. Yeah. Well, and, you know, really want to thank our families for uh, putting up with us and this, um, and the time it takes to make this happen. Um, there's, especially since I've been commuting, um, several nights when I'm running in the door, throwing, a dinner in the oven and then uh, going straight to the office to start recording and barely have time to say hello to people and thank them for putting up with us and, um, and letting us, you know, do this fun stuff. I'm really fortunate. Uh, Heidi, my wife, who some of you, I don't know if any, John Cates has met my wife. Heidi is, is incredibly grounded. 
you know, she's a musician. She's incredibly talented in her own right and does a lot of amazing things outside, you know, kind of outside her day job too. And it was funny because I, I mentioned to her that we were going to record and I said something about doing 66 shows and she, her eyes just got huge. She's like, you really did that many last year? I'm like, yeah, we did that many. Um, but I, I thank her for keeping me grounded, for making sure that regardless of how crazy it is that people come up to us at conventions and want to talk to us and tell us how you know wonderful they how wonderful we may be and how great the show is uh she keeps me in check and and I yeah. appreciate that and and then Daniel my younger son um you know he's the rush kid he will put in his comments about music and what have you but yeah I know yeah. I just it, it it we are really fortunate to have uh, such supportive yeah. bases because you couldn't do it without them Oh yeah. Well, every once in a while, I've got uh, a, a partner in crime sitting in the office with me, just listening and and being quiet. And um, you know, we're. I we're remember somebody was going to do a dance, right? weren't we going to get a show I dance? I think and a show so. Song? At some point, we're going to get a show song and a show dance and uh, get that going. And you know, uh, Rocky's teaching a podcasting show now, and are uh, teaching podcasting at the university and. Maggie is, uh, we're looking at doing some podcasting for her Girl Scout Silver Awards. So keeping it all in the family, awesome. which is exciting. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're we're not even going to try to thank the listeners by name. <laughs> uh, we don't know, obviously. I think there are no. many of you that we still haven't connected with. But anybody that has listened to five seconds of the show or more, yep. hopefully more. But if you've listened, if you've shared. If you've commented, you've rated, we've gotten some great reviews, particularly on iTunes from people I, I still don't think we have connected much with. You all have helped uh, yep. more than you'll know. Again, we're not even going to try to name people because I know we'll miss miss them, but uh, <laughs> we are incredibly fortunate between yes. the chat and the podcast to have made some great friends and, and people that, uh, again, are just incredibly supportive and want, uh, want to help us to yep. continue to boost the signal. So yeah. Uh, Thanks to them. Yeah. International listeners, I'm blown away every time a new country pops up. Uh, I like to share. I, yeah. I think I mentioned earlier, I'm like Carmen San Diego. I like to share where people are, are coming from. I, I appreciate that you'll give us a listen. And, and you're hopefully, I know many of you are finding something of value, which is tremendously exciting. Yes. Uh, because again, when I can tell a guest, hey, you're heard in 10 different places especially those that have never done a podcast before. It's kind of like the first time I thought about, you know, somebody literally on the other side of the world is listening to us. It, yeah. It's humbling. It's, it, and it's a little crazy. <laughs> it is. It is crazy. A little and, crazy. And, and I hope that, you know, if you're listening, that you will reach out to us and connect with us in some way and let us know that you are listening. And, you know, even if you didn't want us to talk about it, share, share on Twitter, share on Facebook, share on, you know, LinkedIn, what your favorite episode has been. Let other people share in the love. <laughs> well, Wendy, we this is going to be the mega episode or uh, of mega episodes, I think. Mega, mega. Uh, and and hope, hopefully people have gotten to the end. I want to thank you for answering the phone when I called you that day and said, hey, <laughs> I want to try this. And you said, okay. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I can, it's, I think it's been a very, very positive thing for you too. I, I know it has. And yes. it's, I, I was talking to somebody this afternoon and just about how much things have changed for me professionally in, in a wonderful way and tremendous opportunities have been, have come up just because we were willing to turn on the mic and start talking. And, and again, people 
seem to have made a connection and that's what we're trying to do. And yep. so I, I, I want to thank you for putting up yes. with me and, and <laughs> take, you know, just being willing to go along for the ride. Cause I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. And I, I appreciate you thinking of me to, to do go on this crazy ride with you. And, uh, it's, it has been a lot of fun. I I'm looking forward to seeing what 2019 and, and beyond brings for uh, not just for our show, but other shows and, and the HR community that we've built. This is, this is a super awesome community. We'll quote uh, Anthony Paradiso. It's huge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which don't stop Anthony. It's that's, uh, I love that you, I love that you love that word. Um, but it is, it's, it's, this is an awesome community and, and I hope that more people will, will join us and be a part of it because, um, as we go to various conferences, please say hi, stop and say hi. We'd love to connect with you all. So, but thank you, John, for being the, keeping this going and, uh, um, keeping us on track. Uh, you know, I, you know, which number we're on every single time. And, um, I love it. <laughs> Well, we're not going to close with how to reach us tonight because if yeah. you listen, you know, uh, yep. we're just going <laughs> to, we, we will say that episode 100, we already have a guest lined up. Yep. So, you know, you got us for at least another 50, uh, another but we year. do have, we have uh, someone that has approached us and has asked to be on and we said, yeah, we'll make that work. Uh, so you won't yep. hear this one at 100 will not be like this. No. We're rambling, but you know what? It's our show. And we can't. So <laughs> Um, but again, we, we have the mic and you don't, we, yes, <laughs> we hope that you're listening though. Uh, we yes. continue to listen. We, we do want to say thank you. Uh, and, and we yes. look forward to seeing many of you this year out and about, um, yep. again, as Wendy said, stop us, talk to us. That's what it's all about for us. So, um, yep. I guess we'll just close as always by saying yep. what we say. Well, we say, yeah. Thanks for joining us on the HR social hour. And as always be sure to connect, give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon.